Good day, everyone. My name is Anna. And I'm Kirsten. And you're listening to the, the Cover to Cover, Cover Bookcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about A Court of Wings and Ruin and A Court of Frost and Starlight. I'm excited. We're bundling them up into one episode because A Court of Frost and Starlight is so irrelevant in my eyes and it's literally so short. So um, mm-hmm. we're, we're just going to put them both in this episode and talk about them. Um, this week it's me. I'm going to be going over it. Kirsten did A Court of Mist and Fury, so it's my turn. Uh-huh. Um, I did a full overview of both of those books, and then I have some like questions, some stuff from Reddit to go over. Um, and I'm excited. Yeah. But first things first, we have the 60-second recap from Kirsten. I'm only going to make you do Akawar because okay. A Court of Frost and Starlight is so irrelevant. Let me get my time. Unpopular back. opinion. Akawar was my favorite book of the whole series. I don't know that it's 100% unpopular. I think it's probably 50-50. I think most people like... A Court of Mist and Fury. Or A Court of Silver Flames. Really? A Court of Silver Flames was my least favorite. I wouldn't say A Court of um, Silver Flames is my least favorite, Well, I think it's, A Court of Frost and Starlight oh my was gosh. my least favorite. But it took me forever to get through that one, man. Yeah, but there's just... There's this one part in A Court of Wings and Ruin that just... Yep. I know which part you're the talking about. The whole book just make, it just makes it so much better. I think the first half of the book is, like, really good mm-hmm. of A Court of Wings and Ruin. The first half, you had me. The last yeah. half, not so much. Yeah, until, like, the very, very end. Yeah. Like, very, the last three Sarah chapters. J, in, in usual Sarah J. Mass fashion, the last hundred pages are, like, really good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, are you ready for the 60-second oh, recap? Oh, gosh. I don't even know where it starts. Think about where Akamath oh. ended. I think I remember. Go. Okay, so Farrah's in the spring court. She's, like, trying to be a spy. Okay, but then, like, shit goes down. I don't know what, but she's trying to get back to the night court. So her and Lucian, I think that's just them, are, like, trying to travel back to the night court. And they're, like, going across, like, all the courts or whatever. And then my favorite part of the book, Asriel and Cassian come out of the sky, and they're, like, don't you touch my high lady because they're, like, fighting with somebody. I don't even remember who. And they (laughs) take them back to the night court. And then they're going to war with um, somebody. I think it's the queens or something. something. Um, and then they go to war. The whole book is just them talking about the war yeah. and like what they're going to do. And then at the end, Rhysand dies. And Oof. it's all up to Tamlin because Farrah's like, you saved me if you love me at all. You'll save him. Five and Tamlin's seconds. like, fuck, okay. So he saves him and he comes back to life. The end. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> honestly, that was not a horrible recap. I feel like that was really good. You did skip a lot of the middle, but a lot yeah. of the middle is literally just war strategy. Mm-hmm, yeah. There's one really good scene that you didn't touch on at all that I'm excited to get into. Um, but, yeah, let's just go into it. So let's start reading this overview. All right. The story begins in a flashback in Rhysand's point of view, which I think a lot of us forget about this part. Yeah. He is in the aftermath of a huge war, and he is searching for his friends in a bloody battlefield after he has finished fighting alongside the humans. Um, And then chapter one picks up in Feyre's point of view. So that was the prologue. She is in her studio painting, thinking about sweet revenge. Again, Mm -hmm. she's in the spring court. Every time she thinks about Tamlin in the spring court, she remembers Elaine's sobs as she was shoved into the cauldron and Nesta's death promise to Highburn. She remembers Cassian's blood pooling around him, and she stews in her anger silently. Feyre is now High Lady of the Night Court, and her goal is to play along in the Spring Court and to sabotage them from the inside. 
Feyre attends a meeting in the spring court with Ianthe, Ianthe? Ianthe, who who she hates because she betrayed her sisters. Tamlin explains that Highburn will be moving his forces into the spring court, um, not to attack, but to like aid them or whatever, Uh for whatever reason. And of course, this makes Feyre uncomfortable, but she stays silent. Rhysand keeps faint contact with Feyre all this time, sending soft messages of love into her mind every now and then, but they're being very careful, not trying to talk too much because they don't want to be discovered. Right. Jurian arrives with the Highburn twins. Feyre makes a comment to Jurian to not threaten her in her own home, serving the purpose of making Tamlin believe that she truly loves him and thinks of the Spring Court as her home. Mm. So she's making all these little comments that are supposed to do certain things like she's keeping in her mind everything she says is strategic whatever she's very smart about it she's very smart at lunch Feyre suggests that her and Lucian escort them to the wall for inspection making sure to leave Tamlin out completely for the purpose of throwing a seed of jealousy in the mix while Jurian and Tamlin bicker over small things Feyre feels a little tap at her mental shield realizing that the hybrid twins are Deamati she realizes that there is a plan set in place Jurian distracts them while the twins rummage through their minds for information. Feyre quickly puts a shield up over Tamlin and Lucian's minds. She throws out her power, sinking her claws into their minds and making them snap back. It is implied that Jurian sees all this happen when he winks at Feyre and she goes back to eating. So Jurian is kind of... Obviously no words are being said, but he's watching this all go down and he sees how everyone has kind of gone still and he's like, Uh I see you, Feyre. Um... While her and Lucian are out inspecting the wall, they chat, and Feyre continues her ruse, trying to reel Lucian in. She realizes that guilt is a motivator for him. Lucian admi- admits that last Callan May, during the, last, during the time that Feyre was gone, Tamlin had refused to participate, so Lucian had to do it for him. Com- completing the right, the great right, Ianthe had insisted that she go with him, so Lucian was forced to do it with Ianthe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think we all can insinuate what it is. Ianthe is supposed to be marked as blessed by the sun, but in, but because of Feyre's scheming and her newfound power from the other courts, the sun shines on her, deeming her blessed instead of Ianthe. Uh, is this when she does the thing to Ianthe? Oh, uh, no. Oh, fuck. Not yet. After a nightmare, Feyre, go- oh! Feyre goes to Lucian's room, using guilt from under the mountain to get him to console her. She throws her arms around him in a hug, which he reciprocates, and Tamlin walks in on it. Oh, yo! Feyre knew Tamlin would come to her room that night. She quickly scurries away and lets them deal with the aftermath. The next day, a set of keys have gone missing, and all eyes go to the guards. Ianthe suggests that the guard who stole it should be punished. When Feyre sides with the guards instead of Ianthe and Tamlin sides with Ianthe, she gains favor with Tamlin's people and begins to turn them against Tamlin. Mm-hmm. Three children of the blessed are caught trying to cross the wall, but Feyre scares them away. The next day they're found dead, killed by the Highburn twins. When they get back to the spring court, Feyre goes off on Tamlin about the death of those children and Tamlin loses to his anger issues and ends up hurting Feyre. If we remember, Tamlin has horrible anger issues oh, yeah. where he ends up destroying rooms. Uh-huh. Like, he, he turns into his monster form uh-huh. and will lash out. Like, he has oh, yeah. horrible anger issues. When he does, he ends up hurting Feyre, and Lucian runs in and helps Feyre heal, because we remember he has some healing powers. Uh-huh. Feyre knew he'd get mad and that this would happen. This was all for the purpose of shaking Lucian's faith in Tamlin. 
Feyre finds out that they intend to use the cauldron to eradicate the wall, and she plans to go back to the night court. This is like her final straw. She's like, no. Yeah. She finds Ianthe trying to assault Lucian, and she stops it. She slams into Ianthe's mind and begins to control her. She commands Ianthe to repeatedly smash her hand that touched Lucian with a rock until her hand is mutilated. Fuck that bitch. She tells her that she can go to a healer, but not to reverse the scarring because she wants her to always think about what a horrible person she is. She's so badass. I love that. The Hybern twins walk in on this and figure out Feyre's entire plan. Lucian hears it as well. They reveal that they've been poisoning Feyre's magic. Feyre still defeats the twins and brings Lucian with her to see Elaine, his, his mate. And they start their travel back to the Night Court. Oh, yeah. Um, because the Hybern twins drained Feyre's magic, they are unable to winnow there. So they're having to travel uh-huh. by foot. By foot, yeah. And use whatever, like, the um, different what is it, like portals or whatever that mm, they can. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what exactly what they're called, but... Lucian and Feyre travel through the Autumn Court, trying to make their way to the Night Court, and they get captured by Lucian's brothers, one of them revealed to be Eris, Moore's previous lover. Eris and Feyre battle it out until two Illyrian warriors <gasps> fall from the sky, Cassian and Asriel. Literally my favorite part of the uh, series. <laughs> so good. Cassian says possibly the most famous line in the book, I suggest you drop my lady. Yeah, bitch. Pharaoh removes the glamour on her arm, revealing the mark that claims her as High Lady of the Night Court. She spares the brothers' lives, and they winnow away to the Night Court because she has regained her uh, winnowing stuff, and the boys are there, so they're like, whatever. For some reason, I thought they were in the Winter Court. Because in my head, I imagine it real snowy. Like, they were, like, on their last leg. I I think you're right. So, basically, what happened was, I left a lot of this out, but they first got caught in the autumn court because they were taking a little bit of rest, and they chased them through the winter court. That's right. And that's where all this goes down. Because they were, like, on their last leg, like, cannot make it through the winter court because of the conditions. Because of how cold it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They go to the townhouse in Valeris, where Lucian meets Amarin and Moore. Rhysand and Pharaoh reunite and tell everyone to leave so they can have some sexy time. She catches Rhys up on what happened when she was gone. Afterwards, Cassian smirks knowingly at Pharaoh as they all meet up, back up, and Rhys and Lucian bicker about the mate bond between Rhys and Pharaoh, to which Lucian eventually concedes gracefully when he realizes it's one against, like, six. Yeah. Um, They go to the House of Wind, Rhysand's house, where they've kept Elaine and Nesta safe this whole time. Nesta is angry... And resentful, while Elaine is a shell of herself, missing her human fiancé. The inner circle decide that they need to get Elaine and Nesta to fix the wall, since they were born directly from the cauldron, and likely have the power to the power necessary to heal it. Feyre trains with Cassian and Asriel, te- teaches her to fly. Cue montage of her crashing into trees a billion times. Feyre and Reese go to the Bone Carver to try to get his help. Oh, yeah. His price is that they need to bring him to... Bring him the Ouroboros mirror. Ouroboros mirror. Nesta reluctantly agrees to help them fix the wall and goes to the Court of Nightmares so they can ask for aid while Feyre tries to snatch the mirror. The leader of the court says that he will help aid if he is given access to Valeris. Rhysand agrees and Feyre learns that those who look into the mirror lose their minds and decide not to take it. Um, Also, I want to add, I didn't write this down. Rhysand agreeing to this with the Court of Nightmares, like, leader or whatever, does not sit right with Moore, because that is Moore's... She, she's involved with this dude somehow. I don't... Is it her dad or something? I can't remember if it... I was thinking it was her dad, but I couldn't remember for sure. But yeah, they are very estranged. Yeah. And um, 
the fact that he has access to Valeris now, it is her the hidden dad. city. Because is... that's the is that the same guy that Pharaoh goes off on in the second book? I think so. I think that's her dad. So maybe it is. I think you're right. So she decides not to take the Ouroboros mirror because she realizes she will lose her mind if she does. Right. She explains this to the inner circle and Amran reveals that the bone carver must be bound to a human body to be set free. Now is when they really start to notice the way Elaine has been acting. She is almost always far off and unresponsive in her own world. Lucian tries to heal her mind with their mating bond and fails. They finally realize that Elaine was made a seer by the cauldron which is why she is so far away all the time. She can see things that the others cannot. Uh-huh. Highburn ravens attack Nesta and Feyre while they're in the library and chase them deep down where a dark creature resides, Briaxis. Feyre makes a bargain with Briaxis, telling it that she will bring it company if it helps kill the ravens. The summer court is attacked by Highburn's forces, and the night court is the only court to come to their aid. While Moore and Feyre fight their way through the palace, Reese boards Hybern's ship and finds out that Hybern is merely an illusion and did not actually come himself. After the battle is over, Tarquin and Feyre reunite and he expresses his anger towards her because she stole his book in the second book in Akamath. But he also expresses his gratitude for their help. Tarquin was always the gracious one. We love Tarquin. Yes. Reese sends out invitations to all the courts to have a meeting in the Dawn Court to assess the situation at hand regarding Hybern's army. This is the scene I wish you would have talked about in your recap. Is this when Cassian destroys the house? I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, never mind. <laughs> that might have been a side story that he was talking about one time. Maybe, because I, I don't remember. Feyre and Reese express that they want Nesta to be there as proof of what Hybern did to her using the cauldron and to oh. share her testimony. Nesta reluctantly agrees last minute. They decide to drop the nightmare facade that Resand has always put on and to have a civil conversation. This is also the first time the other courts get to see Feyre as a high lord lady. I put lady in, in parentheses, but I was like, she's a high lord, you know? Yeah. They make bets on when the first fight starts, which I think is f- funny. All of them start, like, uh-huh. placing money down on when the first fight is going to start. Um, when they arrive, the high lords of dawn, winter, and day are already there. Tarquin from the Summer Court arrived next, followed by Baron and all of his sons, including Eris, from the Autumn Court. Even Tamlin arrived, very late. Tamlin continuously insults Feyre until Reese can't take any more and uses his mind powers to make Tamlin unable to talk. Literally uh, stops his, him from being able to make any noise. I forgot that. Yeah, and everyone just goes still. Everyone's like, they realize what they're dealing with uh-huh. at this point, which I think is awesome. Eris says some rude things about Moore, and Asriel loses his shit, beating Eris to the ground. Um, Feyre stops it. The High Lords agree that the Spring Court needs to be evacuated and is likely to the next to be attacked. They take an antidote to protect their, t- their powers. Nesta thinks they are in danger and suggests that they go home. It is revealed that Lucian is Helion's son, not Baron's, which would make him first in line to be High Lord of the Day Court and Eris first in line for the Autumn Court. Can we all remember that this actually was not so well hidden because hello do you remember what the day court's powers are the day court for the day court every court like high lord has their own special power the day court has healing powers oh yeah and lucian has healing powers Mm -hmm. yep yep so he is revealed to be 
Helion's son, not Baron's, which also makes Eris the first in line for the Autumn Court. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about that whole thing. Freaky, and Eris already kind of knows this, but they've kept it a secret for a while. Yeah. Lucian has no idea. Um, he can't put two and two together. I don't know, ma'am. This is all Resand and Feyre having a conversation about yeah. it. Yeah. They never talk to Lucian about it. I don't even think they do in the last book either. Uh-uh. I don't think it's ever revealed to Lucian. Yeah. Um, anyway. A wave of power passes over the land, which means the cauldron has destroyed the wall. Nesta becomes sick as it happens. Feyre and the others go to Grayson, Elaine's fiancé, and ask him to shelter humans. Jurian arrives and tells everyone that he's actually a spy and has been trying to destroy Hybern from the inside. We're finally re- realizing where Jurian's allegiance, allegiance is. Yeah. He says that Hybern is planning to attack the following day f- from the summer court. Elaine's fiancé breaks up with her. There is a battle in the summer court, and they put on put a glamour over the war camp so that they can amber, ambush Hybern without their knowledge. Feyre realizes that this isn't Hybern's true army, and she goes to the Surreal for answers. The Surreal says that Nesta must nullify the cauldron. Before they can learn more, Ianthi and two Hybern soldiers shoot the Surreal. Sur- the Surreal is dying. Feyre oh. leads Ianthi and the guards inside the Weaver's cottage and traps them there. Feyre sits with the Surreal as it dies. Nesta finds the cauldron, but accidentally opens a link to Elaine, and Hybern captures her. Feyre disguises herself as Ianthi to sneak into Hybern's camp to rescue Elaine. Jurian helps her escape with Elaine. Asriel leaves with Elaine while Feyre tries to rescue an injured human. She finds trouble, but is saved by Tamlin. Hybern's final attack is coming, so they winnow as many humans away as possible. Feyre finally goes to retrieve the mirror for the bone carver. She takes it to him, but he tells her he doesn't need it. He only wanted to see if Feyre was worthy. The bone carver, Briaxis, and the weaver agree to join the battle. It doesn't look good until Tamlin, Baron, and Grayson come to their aid. The cauldron unleashes its power, killing Illyrian soldiers. Feyre's father brings ships to fight against Hybern. Woohoo! Yeah. Amran and Feyre race to the cauldron, but Amran beta- betrays her. Nesta and Feyre find that the king of Hybern has their father. Cassian tries to save Nesta, but he is injured, and the king kills oh, their Cassian. father. Yeah. Nesta and Cassian have an emotional moment. Elaine stabs the king, killing him. Amran claims to have betrayed the group to win her freedom. The cauldron is now in literal pieces, and Perithian is beginning to fall apart. Feyre re- realizes that, cal- that the cauldron must be restored, and Reese sacrifices his life to do it. <laughs> the High Lords resurrect Rhysand, who then, in turn, saves Amran. Lucian returns from finding Vasa, the additional mortal queen. Feyre meets with Miriam and Draken and asks them to hide the cauldron on their island. She then calls a meeting to discuss a new treaty. They all return to Valeris, and that's where the book ends. So, that's a lot. That is a whole, whole lot. The whole part with Cassian, like, really broke my heart. I love Cassian. I know you do. We know this. Cassian is my freaking favorite. So that whole part when he was, like, thought he was gonna die i was like sarah jms better not kill him yeah it was very sad there was no way she was going to there's no way i don't know i don't know she yeah, killed Farah and she killed reese i mean granted she brought him back but still yeah <laughs> she killed him it's like emotional whiplash um so i have some some questions about this book. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite scene and why? Oh, we already fucking know. <laughs> um, the scene where uh, Cassian and Asriel come and save 
favorite resolution. Yeah. The, my freaking favorite. I, I was sitting on my couch. I remember. I was sitting on my couch reading it. And I, like, sat up real quick. And I was like, oh, my God. And, like, Logan looked at me and was like, what are you doing? I was like, just shut the fuck up. Let me just read this real fast. <laughs> and I'm reading it. And I'm reading so fast that I can't understand what's happening. Because I'm so stressed. And I was, like, screaming at the book because I was so happy. Because yeah. I was like, what the heck are they going to do? They're, like, about to die because they're in the middle of the winter court and they're being chased by the autumn court. Yeah. Like, they are not, things are not going their way. And not looking good. And then it said, an Illyrian soldier with seven red siphons slammed down onto the ice. And I was like, my boy. <laughs> there he is. That's there right. Is. Come and save the day. Yes. It's just great. It was, like, so stressful. And then it was just, like, badass. Instantly. Relieved. Love it. What's yeah. Your, what's your favorite part? My favorite scene was the scene with the High Lords having the meeting. Uh-huh. Um, I also love the scene you just said, but for, uh, you know, the purpose of being different, they all have this meeting, and, you know, you get to see Asriel beating the shit out of Eris, and Tamlin getting his ass handed to him by Rhysand. Yeah. And honestly, also, all, all of the camaraderie between the other... Um, High Lords and the Night Court, you get to see there's some relationships made that we hadn't been aware of before. Like, the Winter Court and the Night Court actually have good relationship with each other. Like, most of them get along. Yeah. Which is nice. It's just a a few. Like, the the Autumn Court and the Spring Court were the two that we were like, are they going to come? Yeah. Not sure. But everybody else is pretty much, like, dependable. Yeah. And they, like, all get along with each other. And, like, there's some, like little banter yeah. between us. I was about to say, the best thing about the scene was the banter. Like, there's some funny stuff, there's some stuff that's seriously messed up, but, like, is handled really well. Like, you get uh-huh. to see Feyre and Rhysand as badasses. Yeah. And, like, Feyre as a really awesome leader. Uh-huh. And it's just really good. I really like that scene a lot. Do you have a least favorite scene? Um, honestly, just the whole Rhysand dying thing. I think yeah. they just copy and pasted from the first book they were like let's let's do the same thing that we did in the first book yeah i was like you couldn't have come up with something better yeah like kill cassian or something and no don't kill cassian don't do that not for good but like i mean <laughs> yeah I don't at mean. least don't use the same rebirth technique that you used from the first book because we yeah. were all like when Rhysand dies died we were like all right round him up you know right like, but it was also, you know, kind of like, it was still is Tamlin going to step up and actually save him? That's true. Because they were like, we don't know if Tamlin's on our side. Yeah. I mean, because of, look what Farrah's done to him and destroyed the spring court. Yeah. Is Tamlin going to step up and help her save him? Yeah. It was, at, for a minute, I didn't think he was. Yeah. And then he was like, be happy, Farrah. Yeah. <laughs> Come to life. <laughs> Um, who's your favorite side character and why? No one from the inner circle. Um, my favorite side character? Yeah. They all get so smushed together for me. Yeah. It's hard to keep them track, like, Helion, Baron, all the different side, mm-hmm. Jurian. All I have the a, different side I have characters. I know who yours is. Yours is Helion. No. It's, um, not Helion? It's not Helion. No. Am I thinking of the right guy? It's Eris. Oh, is he? I don't... I love Eris. Why? Because he's an asshole. Because... <laughs> he's an asshole, and I love him, and I just have a feeling that in the next book, they're going to reveal that he's 
has like ulterior motives and uh-huh. that he's actually not as bad as I feel like he's a morally gray character. I really like now this is gonna be kind of strange. I like Briaxis. Okay. Because it's this big bad monstrous thing that everybody is terrified of. Yeah. Cassian is a little bitch yeah, baby. Terrified of and it, it comes and helps them win the war and then disappears out of nowhere. Doesn't hurt nobody and nowhere to be found. Yeah. It's literally. like Big and bad, but it's like a cat. Cassian is a little bitch. <laughs> he He's like, we still haven't He's found like, it, guys. He's like, we have to go Where down is it? It's there. Gonna, it's going to come get no. us. <laughs> That's what he dreams about at night. That's what he has nightmares about. <laughs> Braxis. I love it. Um, okay, now let's get to the nitty gritty. Favorite inner circle member and why? Uh, well, I'm not going to say Cassian. I... Because I'm be lying. Obviously, he's Cassian. <laughs> um, if not Cassian, I like more. More is a badass. Okay. I like more, but Cassian is my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a big Azzy. Oh yeah, we fan. Know. I love Azriel. He's very dark and mysterious. <laughs> yes, he's he got is. that big wig span. I'm excited to hear who his love interest is because you, he's definitely gonna get one. Who do you think it's gonna be? If you had to guess. I have some out of pocket feelings. About I this. know. You're gonna say you're gonna say Eris. <laughs> <laughs> I want Azriel and Eris to be together because I'm like, let Lucian have Elaine, you know? They're, they'll they're have this enemies to lovers. They'll have this enemies to lovers thing and Azriel never had a thing. And then Gwen is just so like why there's no need for that romance. She's it. very like I don't know, bitchy? She is a badass warrior. She can be on her own. She don't need a man. She don't That's need how she anyone. is. Give Asriel and Eris a little romance. I would, that, I would, <laughs> that would be oh, cute. I would die. I actually, I don't know who I I mean, if you think about, be. I'm sorry. If you think about Eris <laughs> and how Eris and Morrigan have this thing, and then Asriel, who had this thing for more, and then Asriel and Eris get together, <laughs> girl, that would be insane. That would be pretty. I'm sorry. I've thought about this a lot. I feel like it's going to be a love triangle. Like, speaking realistically. A love, tri- a love triangle between Asriel, Elaine, and Lucian. Yes. And then when Elaine and Lucian get together, all this time, Eris and Asriel will be getting this oh, relationship my together. And then Asriel and Eris will get together. You're really stuck on this whole Eris <laughs> I am. I am. It's going to be a love square. What would you do if Asriel, just out of pocket here, if Asriel and Amarin got together. Oh! <laughs> no. No, they're like... That's like really the most opposite I can think brother of. and sister. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Ugh. No. I really um, don't know. Because supposedly <clears throat> Lucian and, and Elaine are mates. Yeah. Is what Lucian says. Yeah. But he could be saying that for attention. Uh, people are saying I don't know. that. But like, I well, don't know. How do you just like blurt that out? You're my mate. I love you. Like... I mean, if... If Elaine wasn't his mate, why would he go out of his comfort zone to go with Feyre? Why wouldn't he expose Feyre's ulterior motives to Rhysand? Because he knew. Because his eye, he can see glamours, and he saw the uh-huh. the glamour on her arm. Yeah. Way before I, she revealed it to anyone. I don't know. Maybe he just... I feel like Lucian was really backing her up the whole time. Like, even before... Like, even in the first book, he was like on her side yeah he was on her side but and when it came down to it he was still siding with tamlin ultimately yeah like he would still but he tried to like persuade tamlin to like 
give in to her. I don't know that he tried too hard. No, I don't know. Either. I don't have 100% good feelings for Lucian, to be honest with you. I, don't, I kind of like Lucian. I'm not a big fan. He does kind of seem wishy-washy. He's not like a huge not character. dependable. In Akawar and A Court of Frost and Starlight and even A Court of Silver Flames, he does, he's, not a good, he's not a big character anymore. Uh-uh. He was only like a real good character in the first two books. Uh-huh. And then he just kind of tapered off, and he was kind of He used. could just stay in the background. Yeah, he was just okay. in the background. But also, I don't think Asriel and Elaine should be together. I don't think so either. That's not a good dynamic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's polar opposites, which I guess is what most people want. I would prefer Asriel and Gwen to Asriel That's what and a lot Elaine. of people think, Asriel and Gwen. But I feel like Gwen is one of those people that does not want a man. I just, I just don't know that I would be as interested interested reading an Asriel and Elaine or not Asriel and Elaine Asriel and Gwen book because I don't know as much about Gwen yeah it would be the, like entering a new character and then trying to learn about them who is the the other I know what you're talking about Acolyte in A Court of Silver Flames it was because it was when they went spoilers this whole episode is spoilers I don't, anyway yeah. when they went to the Great Rite or whatever it was yeah it was Nesta, Gwen. It starts with an M. M. No. Emery? Emery. What if it's Emery? Could be Emery. I feel like Emery's too much of a like. She's in she's very herself. like she's very much like Elaine. Mm-hmm. And like personality wise. Yeah. Very and quiet. she's got a lot of trauma. Yeah. They. I don't all know that she would have be a lot of trauma. That's true, but I don't know that Emery would be able to work past it for a romance. Yeah. Like I just don't think a romance is. In the cards for her. Yeah. Asriel deserves somebody good. Yeah. Asriel, I feel like Asriel should have been with Nesta. What the fuck? No. Well, it shouldn't have been Cassian. It shouldn't have been Cassian. Well, uh, Nesta shouldn't have ended up with anybody. Because she's a bitch. Yeah, I know. That's why I don't like Silver Flames. But then everyone's like... The smut was good. Oh, yeah. It was. (laughs) Cassian would say otherwise. Cassian would not like to I mean, say that. I don't give a I fuck. I don't give a fuck about Cassian's feelings. Okay? He's not real. Okay. Yeah. We're all, we still. all know Cassian is a much better person than Nesta is. And it took her way too long to have a change of heart. Cassian and Gwen. Cassian and Gwen? Yes. You are out of pocket. No. No. Just think about it. No. Just think about it. They would make cute babies. <laughs> we don't know what they look like. Yeah, we do. Gwen has red hair. Okay. Cassian has long, dark hair. He's big and buff. He's got big wings, which means he's got a big peen. Do you know that, that um, like, theory that Gwen is Tamlin's daughter? I have heard that, which I don't, I don't think that's true at all. Tamlin is pretty old. Tamlin, they're all pretty old. And Gwen, I'm pretty sure she's not Was that Tamlin old. Was Tamlin with somebody before? Did they have... Did he have babies before? Well, I mean, think about it. He's had to perform the rite multiple times. You're right. You're right. What court? Where is she from? She's got red hair, right? I would almost yeah. assume I was going to say court. Autumn Court. But I don't know. She's an acolyte. I don't know that it was ever said. I don't know how that all works. I can't I don't really know. remember. Anyway. I don't know, man. It might have said she was from the Supreme Court. We just don't, I don't know. know. Maybe. Um. Anyway. What what are the pros and cons to this book overall for you? Um, I really actually did like seeing all of the like war strategy. I think that was. Um, I didn't. No. That was one of the cons for me. Really? 
I think if they would have had a little bit, it would have been fine, but it had way too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I liked that meeting, like I said. That was really cool because the banter was really nice. Yeah. But then there were different things about it where I was like, oh my gosh, this is so unnecessary. Yeah, I feel like some of it definitely could have been cut out. Like, the, the mirror, the Ouroboros mirror, so like, unnecessary. That was so pointless. So pointless. I so like I see where she's coming from, but that was kind of pointless. It literally was. I'm like, what was even the point? And then like that meeting with the court of nightmares, just so that they could be like, no, yeah, yeah. So unnecessary. Yeah. They didn't even help with the battle. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my cons. The pros, though, I just liked Feyre and Raisin in this book. The pros, um, I liked when Feyre smashed Eanthe's hand. Oh my god, that was so good. I forgot Bad about that ass. scene almost. Badass. Loved that. Go off, queen. Yes. She's a badass. She really is. a fucking badass. She's so good. She's changed so much since the first book. Yeah. If we think about she it. She was all Her illiterate. And so good. Illiterate and like... Quiet. And quiet. Submissive. And, and now mm-hmm. she's like, no, bitch. You do what I say. Yeah. You listen to me. She's I so good. And you're a high lady. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, Rank the Bat Boys. Oh, Cassian first, and then Asriel, and then Resand. I think Resand is a whipped bitch. I think we've seen too much of Resand that it's almost, we've almost become desensitized to him. Yeah. I would say Asriel, Resand, Cassian. What? Cassian last? Yeah. Why? I'm not the huge. I just. Are I hurt. think you say Resand's a whipped boy. Cassian is more whipped. No, Cassian whipped Nesta. <laughs> I'm sorry, the way that sounds. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it took a while to reel her in. But honest. he did it. I mean, it. anybody who it's can feet. wrangle her, I mean, yeah. you power to you, my man. Honestly, for real. If you did that, I mean, for you real. did that. All right, let's move on to A Court of Frost and Starlight. Let's do this overview. Pretty short. Um, It's shorter than the first one, for sure. Yeah. Nothing but happens. it's longer than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. It is winter in the night court. Feyre wakes up one day to snow falling outside, and Resand is not there. She tries to send a message to him through their soul bridge, and he is too far out of her range for the message to be received. But this is not an unusual thing, since Rhys has been meeting with war allies discussing trade and other matters. With winter comes the winter solstice, which brings up old me- memories for Feyre from a year ago. Memories of being in the spring court with Tamlin and of Reese saving her. So the winter solstice is basically Christmas. Yeah, it's also her birthday. Yeah. Reese is dealing with a dispute between, between Cassian and Devlin concerning allowing the women in the camps to train. Eventually, the argument is settled with the women getting 90 minutes to train when, while the men help out with the work that typically goes to the women. There is another problem in the camps, though. There are those who believe that their men were purposely put in place where they could they would die in the battle against the King of Hybern. Obviously, Cassian and Reese must deal with this quickly. Feyre is walking through the rainbow, their version of a Times Square, both searching her gifts for her friends and family and looking at the damage wrought from the battle. While looking at a destroyed building, a fairy named Resina tells Feyre that the family that lived in the ha- house were able to escape. She reminds Feyre the people are thankful to her since they all remember her saving a great number of them during the war. Feyre then runs into Morrigan, and together they find a gift for Amran and discuss what everyone else might want. Eventually, Moore informs Feyre that they, along with Reese, will be visiting the Hewn City. 
the Hewn City as part of a tradition to check in with them around every solstice. The trio arrives at the Hewn City. Moore's father is there, as well as Eris, the one to whom she was betrothed to marry. Eris is discussing gaining more territory for the Autumn Court, which Pharaoh reminds him is off the table for everyone. Eris then brings up Tamlin, since his is the court that borders the human land, and any court wishing to grow would have to ask him for permission. The trio is suspicious about whether Tamlin is going to want to gain more territory. Reese's spymaster Asriel tells him of the discontent spreading in the Illyrian camps, while there are many camps that have unsatisfied people. The amount of people who actually feel unsatisfied in each camp is small, but this is still a cause for worry for Reese. Reese then travels to the spring court to find it completely abandoned, other than Tamlin. When asked why he hasn't been properly guarding the borders, Tamlin says he has no army with which to defend it. Reese offers to supply him with some men, but Tamlin refuses to have those brutes on his land. This angers Reese, who, who then says Tamlin deserves everything that has come to him. Instead of attacking Reese, which Tamlin would have done before, Tamlin simply tells Reese to leave. Once Reese does leave, he meets with Farah. He tells her what happened at the court and how he is disappointed in himself. Farah says he is allowed to slip up sometimes. Reese then realizes that he hasn't gotten Farah a birthday gift or a solstice gift since they are on the same day, and goes out to get her something. Cassian arrives to help Feyre put up the decorations, and eventually everyone else arrives. Feyre goes into the kitchen to help Elaine prepare the bread for dinner. When Feyre asks Elaine if Nesta will be coming tonight, Elaine says Nesta doesn't want to come to anything ever. Everyone sits down for dinner and is having a good time when Elaine asks Amarin about her new body. Amarin wonders why Elaine would be asking about this and says that Elaine cannot return to being a human no matter how much she may wish it. After another awkward pause, Asriel defends Elaine. The general good mood resumes. resumes, resumes. <laughs> After dinner, Feyre and Reese find Nesta at the seediest pub in Valeris. Feyre walks in and dismisses the young men who are playing a card game with Nesta. Feyre asks Nesta to spend the holiday with them. Nesta refuses. Feyre points out that their father would want them all together. This upsets Nesta and she tells Feyre to leave. When Feyre is leaving, Nesta reminds her that her rent is due soon. Feyre says she will make sure it is delivered if Nesta comes to spend the winter solstice with them. Uh-huh. So Feyre is paying Nesta's rent because Nesta, Nesta is honestly just spending all their money. Yeah, she's living off of them. For real. Feyre goes to Amran to talk about Nesta. As it turns out, Nesta and Amran are quite close. Feyre asks what is go- wrong with her sister, but Amran refuses to talk about it and betray Nesta's trust. Feyre just asks Amran to tell Nesta the next time she sees her that Feyre and Elaine would both be very happy if Nesta came to celebrate with them. The winter solstice arrives. Feyre wakes up the next day to three birthday presents from Reese, a sketchbook, a scarf, and a satchel for her art supplies. The couple goes downstairs for breakfast, but before they can eat, Reese is whisked away by Asriel and Cassian as a part of some solstice tradition. Once they leave, Elaine comes out from the kitchen, having prepared many treats for dinner that night. Right when Elaine asks Feyre if she has heard from Nesta, someone knocks on the door. Elaine opens it, expecting it to be Nesta. It's Lucian instead. When When Lucian comes in, it's awkward between him and Elaine, as per usual. She leaves to prepare him some tea, while Feyre asks Lucian to live with them. Lucian is adamant about not living with them, and Feyre asks why. Lucian then explains how he has been disowned twice now, once by his own family and once by Tamlin and the Spring Court. 
Since Tamlin's argument with Reese, Tamlin has decided he will be spending the solstice alone. After giving Feyre her gift and Elaine's, Lucian leaves. Feyre goes to Elaine to ask why she never wants to be near Lucian. Elaine explains she doesn't want anyone right now. Feyre, respecting her decision, finds more, and the two go outside to see the tradition that Cassian, Az, and Reese take part in every year. A snowball the fight. The snowball fight! Yeah. Once the trio comes back inside from the snowball fight, the festivities begin. First, there's a birthday cake for Feyre. Once she blows out the candle and they eat cake, they have dinner. After dinner, people start opening their gifts. Well into opening the gifts, there's a knock at the door. Everyone knows exactly who it is. Nesta. Nesta. Everyone is eventually able to settle after Nesta's entrance, and they exchange gifts. From gloves to paintings to jewels to medication for headaches, they are all satisfied with their gifts. It starts to get late, and Nesta gets up to leave. Before she can, Feyre offers her to check the check that had been promised. Feyre hopes that Nesta will tear it up, but Nesta takes the check and leaves instead. Cassian goes after her. (sighs) Cassian insists on walking Nesta home. They argue on the way until Nesta notices something in Cassian's hand. When she asks what it is, he says it is her solstice gift. It's something the... He took months trying to find. Cassian wants Nesta to be closer with her sisters. Nesta finally snaps, telling Cassian to go home. She begins walking away, and Cassian throws the gift he got her into the river. He still flies over her until she reaches her apartment. Once Cassian leaves, Nesta lights a fire, remembering the snap of her father's neck as the fire cracks beside her. Cassian returns home, and Feyre begins to prepare for bed. Reese whisks Feyre to the cabin for some quiet time. Feyre wants to give Reese another gift. Through their bond, she sends an image of their son that the bone weaver, the bone weaver, the bone carver had shown them. I don't know why it says bone weaver. Feyre's gift to Reese is wanting to try to have that child now. The next morning, Reese has one final gift for Feyre. He takes her to a dilapidated building and says he bought her the estate to build a house for them, a house with a nursery. Reese arrives at the spring court to see Tamlin sitting alone with a dead elk in front of him on the table. Tamlin asks Reese if Pharaoh will ever forgive him. Reese doesn't know the answer to that question. Then Tamlin asks Reese if he will ever forgive him for what Tamlin did to his family. Reese points out that Tamlin never apologized. Tamlin responds that it wouldn't have made a difference. Reese prepares the elk, tells Tamlin to eat, and then leaves the spring court. And that's where the book ends. Yeah. Whole lot nothing. Yeah. Honestly, it really is, like, okay, when I first read this novella, obviously I hadn't read A Court of Silver Flames yet. I was like, what was the point of this book? Uh I was like, nothing happened. Yeah. It's setting up. Now going back and reading it again after reading A Court of Silver Flames, I was like, okay, it did allude to a lot of the things that were mentioned in A Court of Silver Flames. A lot of the things that we would be getting into, like women in the in the Illyrian force you know like that whole thing and then even um like pharaoh being pregnant that is a big thing in the court of silver flames oh yeah and honestly just nesta's whole role yeah was being played up which Mm -hmm. we already knew she was a bitch but it it showed us things like her being at the pub all the time and using their money and you know kind Mm -hmm. of not wanting to be around them and that's something that definitely happens. So. If you don't read this book, you're going to be confused when you start A Court of Silver Flames. And I see that now. I didn't realize, I didn't really think about that when I was reading A Court of yeah. Silver Flames because I was like, I don't think that added anything. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, it really did set up A Court of Silver was Flames it? where we were prepared for that story. Was it a whole lot of nothing? Absolutely. Yes. Was it necessary nothing? 
Yes. Yes. Most of it. I still think you could have skipped that book and be fine, but it does help you realize, it segues into the next book pretty pretty well. It's kind of wrapping up Re-sand the and main story. story and then starting a new one with Nesta. But my whole thing is yeah. they knew how dangerous it would be for her to get pregnant and they did it anyway. I think, I don't think they knew, no. They didn't know? Maybe they didn't know. They didn't know originally. They they found out that it was going to be dangerous for her childbirth in A Court of Silver Flames. Spoiler, because... It had, because the baby had wings. Mm-hmm. And she had shifted back into her regular form while she was pregnant, and it would be too risky to shift back into her winged form to have the baby because the more shifts, the more the baby can be harmed in the process. Uh-huh. Um, so she just had to have the baby in her regular kind of human-looking right. form. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple questions on this one as well. Okay. Is Nesta a bitch or is she misunderstood? No, she's a fucking bitch. She's a bitch. I can't stand her. I understand why she's a bitch, but it doesn't mean she needs to be I understand why she would be bitchy sometimes. I don't understand why she's bitchy all of the time. And she why has she's no reason. She's just a whiny out. bitch. She's taking it out on every single person I mean, including her own sisters, who mm. went through the same thing that she went through, even in Silver Flames and at the end of the book. Most people are like, oh, I liked her by the end of Silver Flames. Not me. No. I do. I still do not care. There was, there was t- the majority of the book where she was a bitch, that one sliver part where we finally got to see her not being as bad of a bitch uh-huh. didn't make up for it. No. <laughs> no. It didn't. Um, kind of made it worse, actually. Honestly, I think so, too. But do we think Eris is a truly horrible person? So basically there's a conversation. I don't know if it happens in A Court of Frost and Starlight or if it's A Court of Silver Flames where this conversation happens. Uh-huh. But Eris like, talks about how like to not listen to everything that Moore has said because it's not all truth. Mm. And um, that makes me think that... Is he trying to turn them against her? That's a possibility. It also could just be that Eris is finally just putting in their brains like more is spinning it yeah. in a different way. Maybe she's not... You're not getting the full story because you're not listening she to is. my side. Yeah. Which I think is fair. Yeah. And I honestly don't think he's a horrible person. I've already said this. I think he is going to be revealed in the next book or two to be a good person. And yeah. that maybe... Maybe some stuff happened between Moore and Eris that has left a sour taste in Moore's mouth for it, but maybe there were some things that she didn't get to see because what happened with her was she was, I think, like thrown out or whatever, uh-huh. and Eris somehow like didn't come and get her or whatever. I can't remember fully. Like but, betrayed her. Yeah, but maybe there was something that she didn't get to see from his point of view. Yeah. That is missing from that story. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily a bad person. Yeah, I really don't think so. But that's just me. Um, I've got some things from Reddit to go through. So I posted on Reddit asking for everyone's opinions on Akawar and A Court of Frost and Starlight. Okay. I'm just going to say it. I hate everything about the yearly snowball fight. <gasps> I'm not sorry. I am not trying to be a hater, but OMG, I just think it's too silly for three feared Illyrian warriors. LOL. That's, that's what makes it so great. I know. 
I do love their small silly moments here and there between fighting, training, and more, but this snowball fight, I just hate it. Not for me, haha. <laughs> no disrespect if you love it. We can all like, dislike different parts. And then someone commented saying, hot men throwing frozen water at each other, slap some snow boots on me and call me ready for war. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Because like, okay, you're right. You can not like it if you want to. I'm not gonna. Yeah. But like, that's the whole point. It's supposed to be the silly little thing that they do once a year because they work so hard yeah. and they fight all the time. They're strategizing and doing like war things. And then they just have this little snowball fight that Asriel wins every year. Yeah. We all know he's going to win, but the, we have the snowball fight he's anyway. He's a freaking spy, spy master. Of course he's going to win. Um, there's other comments here. One says, personally, I devour every chapter of a book about them going to Burger King. I'm here for all their all of their lives, every bit. Yes. And then someone else says, I just like the idea of mat- imagining them naked in the sauna after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then someone says, what do you want them to do? Kill people 24-7? <laughs> and then someone commented on that saying, maybe 22-7? They need to leave time for sex, nightmares, and brooding. <laughs> y'all, y'all are savages. Y'all are funny. I love it. Someone else said, what bothers me is that they sit in the sauna afterwards completely naked. I mean, brothers or not, this is a bit gross in my opinion, especially when Feyre sent Reese the picture of her naked and Reese got a boner. Yeah, while they're just all sitting <laughs> in the sauna naked. Yeah. They're like, oh, dude, uh, are you good? Awkward. Yeah. Like, I knew I was good looking, but I didn't know I was that good looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I've got. That was a good episode. I feel like there was a lot to it. A lot. There was Very a juicy. lot to unpack. Oof. But it yeah. was good. It was so, good. The next Sarah J. Mass episode we have will be A Court of Silver Flames. That'll probably happen in a few weeks, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, and Kirsten will be leading that, but I'm kind of sad that this is coming to an end. I know. Anyway. Thanks um, for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Go follow us on all of our social medias, TikTok, Instagram. Email us with your suggestions. Um, yeah. Everything will be linked down in the show notes. Yep. And we'll see you guys next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.